Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Riverside Online. It is great to have you here with us for the last of the Living Upside Down series. We trust that if you have joined us in the series, God has spoken to you. It is so encouraging that so many of you are still choosing to do church at home with Riverside Online. If this is your first time that you are joining us online, we'd love to connect with you personally. So please use our Connect With Us link on the website so that we can be in touch with you. We are doing communion at the end of the message. So make sure that you have the elements ready to join us. Alright, confession time. Don't tell my wife, but sometimes it looks like I'm listening. But the reality is... You see, sometimes, honestly, it is because I'm so super focused on something that because I'm so zoned in on this one thing, everything else becomes white noise. But that's not the only reason why sometimes it looks like I'm listening. So don't judge me on this one because I know you do it too. But sometimes I'm not listening to you because I'm planning on what I'm going to say next as opposed to giving you my full attention. Sometimes it's because I do this thing, which we all do, which is called selective hearing. This is especially true when it comes to chores that I hate doing around the house. Um, Probably the worst example in my life when it comes to this is back when I was still a geologist, right? And so... I'd had a few super early mornings and just some rough nights and so I wasn't sleeping well and I was just having a casual conversation with one of the older colleagues that I was working with at the time and we were just chatting and then the next minute I just feel this kind of smack on the side of my head and this voice saying, Wort wakker Engelsmann. Now for anyone out there who's listening who doesn't understand Afrikaans, that means wake up English speaking dude, right? Basically, in the middle of this conversation, I had nodded off in the middle of a conversation. Now, why is this so important? I don't know if you've ever been for marriage counseling or you've ever had to do marriage counseling. But regardless of the issues, at the heart of it all is always going to be communication. Communication. Not only your ability to speak out some of your thoughts and your feelings, maybe risking by going further than what you're comfortable. That's one side of it. The other side is giving the other person space so that they can speak out their thoughts and their feelings, but you've got to actively engage in listening. You've got to make sure that you're hearing them properly and then you're understanding them properly. But that's not the end of the process. The next part of the process is adjusting your behavior you've spoken you've allowed the other person to speak and hopefully you've heard them well and then you show how engaged you are in this relationship by ending all this communication process by changing your behavior and the reason we do that the reason we have this whole system of communication resulting in transformed behavior is love is love 
Now, the reason why this is so important is because today, as we come to the final part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to see if not only have we been listening to his words, but have we been listening intently? Have we been understanding them? Have we been making sure that I'm getting what Jesus is putting out? But that's only part A. Part B is Jesus is going to see if our lives are any different because of that. Have we been changing our behavior because of that? And so today we're going to be talking about a word which is not a popular word. It is the word obedience. Now for some of you, the minute you hear that word, you kind of feel awkward and you have all bad memories of strict teachers and punishment and the principal's office, right? And so when we hear the word obedience in church, we import all of this stuff into our relationship with Jesus, which can sometimes be a very real obstacle to a true life of obedience with Jesus. But Jesus is saying the same way, listen, just like in marriage, communication starts off with hearing each other well, making sure you've got it, and then change behavior. He's saying, if, if you love me, then your obedience is going to be because you've heard my words. You've reflected on my words. And this has result in new decisions and new patterns of behavior. And we're going to see that this has enormous consequences for us. So let's read. This is the final part of our part in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's read Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 onwards. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So Jesus here, just like he has the last few weeks, he's addressing two groups of people. And what's so important to see here, it's not like one group is those who go to church and do all the churchy things. And the other group are these very evil people doing very evil things. No, he's addressing two groups of people, both of which were in church. Both of which have been doing church online. Both of which have been reading their Bible. Both of which are maybe even in small groups. The difference is the first group hear the words, put them into practice. And Jesus says that's like a wise man. The second group hears the same words. They're there. They're taking notes in church. But they don't put them into practice. And Jesus says... Those are fools. That's a foolish way. And again, both groups are in church. Both groups seem like they're on the same page and are building a great foundation of faith here. I don't know if you're starting to realize here that it is possible. It is possible to be in church, to be doing church online every single week, to be in a life group, to even be reading your Bible every single day and still fall into group two, a group that Jesus calls the foolish group because they hear my words, but they don't put them into practice. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to 
be a coach for a sports team. At one stage, because I used to play provincial hockey and I did really well in hockey, uh, I was called in to help coach a younger group of hockey players. All right, and the reason why I was called in, I had this experience and I knew a thing or two. I'd been around the block. I could show these kids how to improve their game. So if you ever coached a group of people, there's going to be the same two groups. They're going to be there. Most of them want to be there. Maybe some of them are being forced to be there. And and again, in church, some of us are forced to be there. But nonetheless, they're all the kids. They both hear what you have to say. They both are being forced to do the various practices and the various skills. But one group is going to take it in, one group is going to put it into practice, one group is going to go home and they're going to try really hard and they're going to improve their game. And I'm not only talking about superstar sportsmen here, I'm talking about those who go from a a 1 out of 10 player to a 2 out of 10 player or a 4 to a 5 or an 8 to a 9 because they've heard what you said, they put it into practice. Then there's the other group, they've heard the same thing, they're even excited to be there maybe. But they go home, they're like, yes, thanks, coach. Thanks for the practice. Thanks for the great advice. And they don't do anything about it. Or maybe you've had someone in your life who always comes to you for advice. Maybe in an area that you are strong in. Maybe relational advice, marriage advice, financial advice, business advice. They come to you and they show you why they need this advice. And here's how everything is wrong. And and you give them the best advice that you can give them. And you know that this is going to move them forward. And what do they do? Oh, thank you so much. And they go back and they make the same mistakes again and again and again. And they come back to you for more advice. And you give them good advice. And they go back without listening. And Jesus says in the same way. In the same way. All right, there are going to be people who are going to hear my words and they're going to put them into practice. Now, let's again stick with the sporting analogy. Does that mean you hear one sermon and next week my life is perfect? No, just like that sports kid. All right, it's, it's hearing the words, it's going home. Oh, I don't know if I've got this right. Going back to the coach, going back to a friend, going onto YouTube, making sure have I got this right. Maybe getting someone to look in, maybe getting someone to help you out, maybe making sure that I've got this right, having my teammates around, practicing, enjoying the game. And because of that, that process is going to move me on. Whereas the other group, The other group hear Jesus' words. And man, they look like they're on board. They look like they're having fun. Maybe they're even liking and sharing on on, on social media, right? That's the ultimate form of spiritual maturity. Liking and sharing. And Jesus says, you fall in the group of foolish people because you're hearing what I'm saying, but you're not putting them into practice. So Jesus says, group one is like, A wise person, group two, is like a foolish person. Now this is so counter to how some of us see wisdom. Some of us us see wisdom as knowing a lot of things. And Jesus says it is possible to know a lot of things and not put it into practice. And he calls that foolish. It is also possible to know a little bit, but put it into practice. And Jesus calls that person a wise person person now this is so much more than jesus being up there in heaven drawing up some sort of invisible list where here's group a sets of names and here's group b sets of names and here's the the wise people and here's the foolish people 
All right, because maybe that means nothing to you. I think this is so much more practical because Jesus says, he says about the wise person, he says they hear my words, they put them into practice. He's like a, a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. And then what happens? The storms come. But group B, it's like a foolish person who hears my words, does not put them into practice. He's, it's like a foolish person building his house upon sand. And then what happens? The storms come. And so I, I don't know. I don't know if you're listening on your phone, if you're listening on the podcast, if you're watching on your TV or your laptop. But is there anyone out there going through a storm? I, I don't know. Global pandemic. I don't know, anxiety about losing a job, losing finances, economic, political insecurity, maybe relational difficulties, maybe pre-existing challenges that are making life so difficult right now. Is there anyone out there going through a storm? Because here's the thing. The house of faith that you build is either going to be built to withstand the storm or to be defeated by the storm. And what is so important to see here is both groups of people go through the storm. Both the wise and the foolish people go through the storm. This is just one more reason why I think that the health, wealth, prosperity gospel has got it wrong. Because they would like to say, well, if you're a Christian and you're obeying Jesus, you're not going to go through storms. But here... It is possible to be a wise person, hearing the words of Jesus, showing up, listening, in, listening intently, putting them into practice, and still go through the storm. But the thing is, your house of faith is built on a rock, and you will outlast the storm, and the storm will not destroy your faith. However, for some of you, right now, it feels like the storm is winning feels like your house of faith is being shaken and is slipping. And here's what we're tempted to do in those moments. We're tempted to blame the house, meaning we're tempted to blame God, meaning we're tempted to say, I don't know if this Christianity thing is worth it. Whereas Jesus says the real reason why the house is slipping is because not of the house, but because of the foundations. And the foundations in this case are those who hear my words and put them into practice, which is not easy, which requires commitment, which requires change and transformation, which we're going to talk a lot more about later on. This reminds me of a great quote by the British intellectual G.K. Chesterton, who says, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and untried. And so Jesus is warning us about the storm. And I think for some of us, when it comes to the storm that you're feeling right now, we want to build a foolish way, meaning I do some religious things, but I'm not putting them into practice. And then when everything falls apart, I want Jesus to come and bail me out. And you know what? Because God is good, Sometimes he does. But you know what? Because God is good, sometimes he doesn't. That is called good parenting. Where sometimes good parenting is. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is to allow your kids to experience the full consequences of their decisions. 
Do you know that in Hebrew, there's no separate word for listening and obeying. It's exactly the same word. It's the word shama. Built in that language is the assumption that if I hear, if I listen, I will obey immediately. Now, you know who also got this? Jesus' brother got this. He said in the book of James, in chapter 1, he said that the person who hears the words of Jesus but does not put them into practice is like someone who goes and studies himself in a mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what they look like. Now I want to read the other person, the wise person. But the man who looks intensely into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this Underline, bold, highlight intensely and continues to do this. Not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Bold, highlight, underline, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. Now, I just want to press pause on this verse because there's so much going on here. First of all, it's like looking in a mirror, right? And so we look into the mirror of God's word. How intensely, how we continue to do that. That's like someone after, you know, they've shaved, just making sure. Have I gotten everything? Is there any shaving cream behind my ear? Or someone who's had a haircut and just making sure, maybe even with multiple angles, is everything okay? Is everything balanced? Have I missed anything? Maybe getting outside inputs to help me see what I might not be seeing. Help me see the reflection accurately. Looking intensely, intensely into the words of Jesus and continuing to do this. What does it say? Then, and they continue to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but by posting it on social media. No, no, no. Not forgetting what he has heard, but by doing it, by doing it, by putting it into practice, that person will be blessed in all they do. Now, at the beginning of the message, I said that the whole reason we do this communication thing properly, that I make sure that I hear this other person well, I, I, I hear and I listen intently and I reflect back. Am I hearing you well? Am I understanding you well? I make sure that I'm getting what you're putting out. And then I change my behavior. The reason we do that is because of love. Now, that's not pop psychology. I got that from Jesus. Listen to what he says in John 14 verses 15. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Just not even a full chapter later, John 15 verses 10. He says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. See, when we as parents sometimes sit down with our kids and get up in their faces about issues of obedience, the reason we do that is not because Bianca and I have a list of rules, random rules, and at the end of the, every day we try and give our kids a pass or a fail mark. No, the reason that we think about obedience and the way and the purposes we think about obedience and the thing that we want our kids to know is that we want to empower them to live responsible lives, to live 
fruitful lives, to live lives where they are growing in character, where they don't need parent control, they develop self-control, lives where they're making wise decisions, lives where they actually truly are guided towards life and are moving away from death. And we also want them to make the kinds of decisions that are going to strengthen their relationships with one another, their relationships with us, and their relationships with the people around them, and their relationships with God. Meaning, the backdrop of obedience is life and love. The backdrop of obedience is life and love. In the same way, Jesus says about these two groups of people, you've heard my words, you've heard my words. And so just as we start getting practical here, I want to put out a very simple question. Have you been hearing the words of Jesus? Think about the wise man who looks intently into the mirror and continues to do that. Now, this is not about YouTube clicks and likes and shares. This is about have you honestly been engaging and listening intently and continuing to listen to the words of Jesus? Have you been gathering a team around you, some, some training partners, a life group, some spiritual friends and conversations that are going to maybe help you see what you're missing, that are going to maybe help you see a better reflection of what Jesus' words are so that you see them? So that's question one. Now, before you pat yourself on the back and say, well, you know what, Stephen? I've listened to more than half of the Sermon on the Mount and I've been there for more than half of the church online sessions and I think I'm doing okay. Well, that's only section A. Section B is this question. Have you been putting them into practice? Now, I'm going to spend some time on this question. Just right now, reflect back on the last 19 weeks. This is week 19 of the Sermon on the Mount. Has there at any point been a moment where you as you stare into the mirror of Jesus words and you listen intently and you're making sure you understand fully what Jesus is saying and you see how your life matches up to what he's saying have you done anything anything differently because of the words of Jesus in other words are you going to be like the foolish person who has shown up every week but hasn't done a thing differently or are you going to be like the wise person who is making different decisions, who is acting differently and doing things differently? And just like that kid who's learning how to improve his sport game, yes, is sometimes failing, but he's coming back. Let me just make sure one more time that I've got it. Okay, I still don't know if I'm getting this right. Okay, let me get a team around me. Let me get some training partners around me to help me get towards this goal of putting Jesus' words into practice. Is, is that your reality at any level? This is not to make you feel bad. This is just a moment of clarity and honesty where you can reflect back to God, yes or no. Now, regardless of how you've been answering those questions, I want to just give you a very practical tool which is going to help you, whether you've been saying yes, whether you've been saying no, whether it feels like the house is falling down, whether it feels like your faith is being shaken by the storms of life. I want to give you a practical tool that is going to help you do exactly this. 
Dallas Willard, just incredibly wise author, he wrote a book called Renovation of the Heart. It's all about this. In fact, so much of his book comes from the Sermon on the Mount. And it's about transformation, real transformation. It's about hearing the words of Jesus, understanding them well, reflecting them back, just making sure that I've got it, and then bringing about practical change. He suggests a very practical framework that I'd like to share with you. And it is the VIM, VIM framework, V-I-M, where V stands for vision, I stands for intentional, and M stands for means. V stands for vision, I stands for intention, and M stands for means. So let's talk about those briefly. When he talks about vision, he's not talking about, do you have a vision for your life? Go and, you know, achieve it. He's saying, no, no, no. Have you been given a vision of the kingdom of God? In other words, as Jesus has been speaking about his kingdom, as we look at the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and we see the beauty and the power and the potential of the kingdom of God, is that moving something in you? Is God allowing you to see what he's putting out? Are you seeing that your marriage, your life, your family, your church, this country could be different if God's kingdom came on earth as it is in heaven? Is there a vision that is inspiring passion in you and something in you saying yes? So start with the vision. But then it has to move to intention. Intention. And it is really coming down to this. Because I love Jesus when he's spoken about this. I intend. I intend to obey him. Jesus already has my yes. Again, not that I'm going to get it perfect all the time, but he has my yes. When he speaks, I am going to do everything I can to obey him. Because at the heart of intention is a decision. I have decided, so the song says, to follow Jesus. And so when I hear his words, I have already decided that. And therefore he has my intention. But here's maybe what you know. All the best intentions either get forgotten about or just dissolve with the challenges of life. And so we need the third one. And that is the M. And that is means. The means is the trellis that we put in our lives to allow the organism of our faith to grow. This is the structure that we put in place to help us accomplish what we want to accomplish. All right. So, for example... If your vision is to get fit and you have all the best intentions in the world, but you keep on hitting the snooze button, you're going to put a structure in place. Maybe you're going to put your phone on the other side of the room to force you to get out of bed. Maybe you're going to have a training partner that is going to be waiting for you. But point is, you're going to structure your life. You're going to put it in your diary. You're going to say yes to these things, maybe saying no to other things in order to achieve what you really, really want. And the same is true. We have the vision of the kingdom of God. We have the desire, the will, and the decision to live out the kingdom of God practically out of love and obedience. And this has to, this has to affect your diary. This has to affect your timeline. This has to affect what you say yes to and no to. You have to have the structure in your life that is going to help you grow. Now, maybe you say, Stephen, that just sounds like, again, pop psychology or pop leadership talk. Well, what else do you think the the biblical disciplines and the spiritual disciplines that Jesus teaches us are about? 
When he talks about reading your Bible and he talks about prayer and he talks about community and he talks about accountability and he talks about fasting, all of those things affect your diary. All of those things require saying yes to this and no to something else. Not that we can be like the second group where we do all those things, but nothing changes. But because you've seen the vision and because I want that vision more than anything else, I'm going to plan my life around that. And I'm going to have a structure in my life, the means that are going to help me get there. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, only he who believes is obedient. And only he whose obedience believes. So because we really believe, we obey. But then also our obedience proves our belief. Now this sermon series has been quite a ride and is so apt that we end the series off with communion. You see, when it comes to the Christian faith, the step that precedes your obedience to Christ out of love is that he obey the Father out of love. We don't obey to win God's love, but because Christ obeyed perfectly, even to death on a cross, when we trust Him, His perfect life of obedience is counted to us. Romans 5.19 says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. You see, you aren't made righteous because of your obedience. You are made righteous because of Christ's obedience and then because you are now in his kingdom participating in his kingdom coming to earth as it is in heaven we also pursue lives of obedience out of our love for him let's read that verse one more time romans 5 verses 19 for just as to the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners our disobedience so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. We come to the table in part because of our disobedience, but ultimately because of the obedience of Jesus. And so as we do this together, I'm going to ask you that you take the bread, the bread being a picture of Christ's body that was broken for us. Let us eat together. And then to pay the penalty of our disobedience, Jesus' blood was shed for us. And he did this out of joy and love and obedience. So now let us drink the cup together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you brought our salvation because of love. And in spite of our disobedience, Jesus, you obeyed fully and submitted yourself to death, even death on a cross, so that we might live. And as a result, we have been reminded of your death, but also your resurrection and the life that you give us. So, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and give us the vision of the kingdom. Holy Spirit, transform our decisions and our intention to live out a life of obedience. And then give us the courage to put those means in our lives, the structure in our lives, so that we can be like those wise people 
who hear the living words of Jesus, who have the life of Jesus in us, and actually have different lives in this world, lives that look upside down, but lives that bring life and love and transformation to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you next week with our brand new series called The Toolbox for Tough Times.